Hey! Thanks for joining us again at Sex and Light. It's a podcast about sex and how it, it reflects itself in everyday life and, and how we connect with sex and, and all that kind of stuff. Today, we have a, a very special guest on location at Northbound Weather. Today, we have the owner, George... Jarius? Jarius? Jarius. Jarius, yeah, what is Whatever. <laughs> And uh, we're going to be talking to him about this great shop and, and their interactions with the city. Um, so first of all, George, how did you get into leather working? I was born into it. Um, my father before me and his father before him, were they worked with leather. And uh, it's a long convoluted story as to how I got to be exactly to where it is today. But uh, to make a long story short... Uh, being In the world of podcasts, we prefer short story long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, basically, um, my father relocated the family here on Christmas Eve 1968 and opened up uh, his own uh, leather establishment and carrying it over from what the family business was back in Greece. And I, was, uh, I grew up around the stuff. And uh, as we all know, whatever is present during your sexual awakening is one of the things that turns you on, I suppose, you know. It, some people it's high heels, some people it's whatever, you know, if they were around mommy's feet at the time of their yeah. arousal. Um, for me, it's leather. And uh, so I took the family business, which was basically a mom and pop leather shop and selling conventional leather goods, belts, bags, boots, belts, coats. yeah, that sort of thing, and perverted it because I'm a pervert. That, awesome. Yeah, I mean, so I up around it. <laughs> so I, I, but now because I figured out a way to make a living at it, I call myself a provert. Excellent. Because you know you're a prevert. You you're, don't know what's going on. You're professional. You figure out what you like. That makes you a pervert. And then you figure <laughs> out how to monetize what you like. That makes you a provert. So, how how long have you had this location? Because I remember uh, when I first heard about Northbound, the first time I came to see you. You guys were just the back half here, like pretty much the office from what I could see. And, you know, we come in off of uh, Edward, St. Edward. St. Nicholas Street. St. Nicholas. Yeah. But when we first opened, and this is where I came in, in 1987, my father's shop faced Young Street. So I took uh, like a small 600-foot warehouse space behind a brown steel door, no windows, nothing, on the back alley, St. Nicholas Street, which is runs parallel to Young Street, yeah. behind Young Street, north of Wellesley, and opened up this showroom that was carrying only items that were kinky. Yeah. Okay. There was clothing, but the clothing was more like bras and garter belts, G-strings, that sort of thing, as opposed to uh, coats. Yeah, okay. So we had chaps, we had, you know, anything that you could have sex in easily, uh, or, you, can, you know, was not necessarily streetable, if you will, at the time. Uh, that's what we sold. And every time one of our neighbors uh, left their space, we would take up their lease and expand and expand and expand. And it got to the point where our original location then moved to our current location, and that was 1995. And we took over this whole building. Yeah. We're about 12,000 square feet here. Yeah. And the main floor is the showroom. And it's about 3,800 square foot showroom. Now, I heard, uh, I want to say like a year ago, maybe more, that uh, the person who made your floggers uh, had passed away? Uh, two of our, we've dealt with many people through the years. I actually did palliative care on uh, Cactus Jack, who was uh, the first whip maker that I engaged with. Not Cactus Jack, the wrestler. No, okay. no. His Just real name was Bernie, uh, but uh, he went by the moniker Cactus Jack because he actually had gone on a trip to the Painted Desert in British Columbia and had fallen on a cactus, and they spent the next half day pulling the thorns out of him, so they nicknamed nice. him Cactus Jack. <laughs> it's a funny little story, but he was an incredible whip maker. And uh, since then, uh, there was another gentleman named Master Andre, who also we worked with for a few years. He also passed away. These were older guys. So, yeah, yeah. You know, everything. We, we all get it in the end, right? That's it. But just, I mean, 
looking at your floggers, having owned quite a bit of your, your stuff myself, um, they're just so intricate and, and really a piece of, of artwork, you know, especially with the, 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 the knot at the end of it. These people were craftsmen. They're entirely uh, all about, they were passionate about working with leather. They would choose their hides based on the purpose for them. A flogger would get a different kind of leather than uh, a signal whip, than a bull whip, for instance, um, or other types of single tails. Presently, we're working with uh, a woman named Vivian, who is uh, taken over from uh, Andre. She was trained by Andre, and her work is even better. Really? And yes, and she's she's truly an artisan. Uh, entirely the handmade. Has become the master. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's how it works. And we can't keep her stuff in stock. I mean, it takes a long time to build. Yeah. Because it's entirely handmade. And you can tell the difference between somebody that knows what the purpose of the product they're creating is for and someone who's just doing it for a fashion. That's it. It's, it's, I mean, leather working, it's just another art form. It is. Really. It is. I mean, it's, a, you know, like you can get a machine-made anything and then you can get a handcrafted now, version. being a Torontonian, born and bred, I know you guys are the biggest thing in, in Toronto. What is the furthest away like what, that, that you've had a customer come in because they've heard about it? Um, well, I guess we get them from, we get our, our clients come from everywhere. We're a destination store. We're like leather mecca. Yeah. People like to make the hodge here. Um, during World Pride, we had people coming out from everywhere. Every, I mean, you name a place. Uruguay. Yes. Really? Yes. Um, Japan, China, Taiwan, Singapore, uh, various African nations, including South Africa. If we're going to go the farthest away, I guess we can get from where we are is New Zealand. I guess, yeah. Uh, geographically speaking, I'm not aware if any aliens have visited from <laughs> places. They, they have not made themselves known if they have. That's because they're illegal aliens. That's right. But I, we have had clients that have made a trip from New Zealand. We had one guy, and it was actually, I remember this vividly, it was opening day at this current location. He had won the lottery in New Zealand. In Auckland. Awesome. And he was a man that owned a, a gym down there. And he always said, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to visit Northbound Leather. Wow. He came up here, unbeknownst to us, what his situation was or how he got here. But, you know, hey, I'm from New Zealand. I'd like to go shopping. Yep. Oh, well, it's our first day at this location. You came to the right place. <laughs> at the end of the day, he left with $37,000 worth of goods. Whoa. What? That was our best day ever. I would imagine so. One customer <laughs> from the other side of the world. That's it. I remember well, when I first got my own leather, uh, I had Leather Daddy, and he brought me in. And the dynamic of, of that we came into the store, it just it was so very natural. You know, he was there, and the, the salesperson spoke to him, because he was my daddy, right? And uh, it was just so smooth. It has to be because it, there was no kind of where's this getting stuff for the boy? It's not his son, obviously. You know, there was no kind of awkwardness. The people that work here are in the lifestyle, and they, well, the people on the sales floor anyway, um, the people that are. Upstairs, the Keebler Elves, as I like to sometimes call them, <laughs> working up in the treehouse, um, they are there because of their expertise and their skill sets, and they may or may not be in the lifestyle, but they are the best at what they do. Yeah. We keep getting nominated and, and voted by various publications, readers' polls, telling, you know, Northbound's... Well, just looking over your shoulder, we see uh, six awards? Oh, I've got, I've got more elsewhere. File, uh, <laughs> file cabinets full of awards, and, but everything from you know best out of Toronto to the you know 
Best well, of Canada? Well, the, the glass ones that you see over there are Pantheon of Leather Awards, and that's an international title. We, really? We've won it a few times, and it's, uh, it's from people in the community. That It's an award show that's usually done in either Florida or California, and it's uh, put on by the Leather Journal. Wow. And so, yeah, we, we are recognized for the quality of our work. But the people on the floor, to get back to it, they know the score. They know why you're here. For the most part, the people that come in, we get very, we do get walk-in traffic, and they're also treated with respect. But when you come in here, you can be free. Yeah. And to express whatever it is you need to express. Coming into a place like this, you're essentially wearing your sexuality on your sleeve. Pretty much, yeah. And you're saying, this is what I'm into, this is why I'm here, this is what I'd like to get. And you're treated with the dignity and respect that you deserve, because we're all the same here. And professionalism. That's the point. Yeah. It's, it's, your staff is, from what I've gleaned just from coming in over the years, your staff is very knowledgeable. Well, um, as a person that has been around and gone to the various shops that cater to this community, I said, what would I want? Yeah. How would I like to be treated? So that's what I built. I built a place that feels like a very high-end boutique. And it is. It is. Um, it's kept clean and tidy, and the staff is personable and professional, and they give you your space until you're ready to interact with them. Yeah. They're, it's not a high-pressure sales pitch. If you ask a question, they're knowledgeable enough to answer it. And then they let you peruse and try things on and do whatever it is you wish to do until you've decided, okay, thank you, or I'd like to buy that. Yeah. How old were you when you owned your first pair of chaps? Uh, let's see. Well, let me put it for easier than that to you. Uh, the very first pair of leather pants I ever wore, I was three years old. <laughs> I was wearing... Uh, you weren't kidding when you said you were born into it. I was not, <laughs> no. I was wearing uh, fringed Daniel Boone style jackets that my father made for me when I was like by the age of six. Oh, wow. I was wearing knee-high boots to school with stacked leather heels in grade six. <laughs> so, does that Just, answer your question? It, it kind of does. kind of does. I and mean, when you say you were, you were born into it, I mean, I just can't imagine making a pair of leather pants for a child, though. I mean, uh, you know what? They're very practical because they're rugged. And you know how kids wear out their clothing oh. crawling around and doing all kinds of things? Well, I fell in a mud puddle. You just wipe it off. <laughs> it's like there's a reason, but the reason bikers wear leather is oh, because yeah. you get splashed, it washes off. And you guys do a lot of really good custom work. I had a buddy come in here this many years ago, uh, not many, about 21 or so years ago, and he came in and wanted the zipper because he, he rode motorcycle, wanted the zipper from the inside of uh, the inseam, and then put on the outside. And yep. you guys had done that for him, so we wouldn't scratch up his gas tank. And that's exactly the right thing, because I, the chaps that we make were made for bar wear. They're, yeah. they're tighter, they're not loose, flappy chaps, although we do, uh, for championship cowboys and bull riders, we do chaps for them too. Really? Yeah, yeah, we do bull riding chaps, we do rodeo chaps, we do like dress chaps for, for title winners. Nice. Guys with the with the big prize belt buckles, we, we mount them on their chaps and all kinds of that. No, and we do rock and roll stuff. We've done leathers for Iron Maiden. We've done leathers for... For Iron Maiden? Oh, yeah. That's sick. Yeah. That's... The drummer, Nico Bryan, I think, uh, especially loved us. He, he brought his girlfriend in and outfitted her with quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. We've done... When I was married, I brought my stuff. wife in and yeah. uh, equipped her with some stuff. Cool. We, we went to... Uh, the, I, it was one of the leather balls in, I want to say September or October, maybe it was August. Would have been maybe our party. Maybe yeah, oh, it was totally your party. It was definitely, and we did the whole VIP. I bought the VIP package for us. Just awesome. And this your fashion shows are, I mean, for those who've never been to Northbound, for, for the listeners who have never had this experience, Come into the shop and, and, and check out uh, some of the work they've done. Like 
the masks, the leather masks that you've molded, there's one, uh, I think it was a dog mask. Right. And just the work on, on molding that, I mean... There's a lady that does that for us too. Everybody is specialized. Everybody's got a, a certain skill set that applies. You know, it's like you can't get a watchmaker to... Re well, you could, I suppose, get them to repair a toaster, but a toaster repairman is better at that than repairing a watch. That's exactly. So everybody's got a skill set, and everything in here comes from an artisanal background. It's we don't skimp. And and you can tell on on the work, like when you look at the workmanship on on the leather. In my opinion, it shows that the the caring shows yep. through because it's just uh, it's a place where people take pride in their work. I don't think there's a lot of places like that anywhere anymore where people take that much pride in their work. And it's just, in my opinion, you guys have, have knocked it out of the park every, every time. Um, so when did you guys start hosting events? Well, there are people um, that used to come on a sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more, say no more, you know, like did this, you go to the, through the brown steel door and you'll find what you're looking for. Yeah. And, and a lot of, I have a, a, a great deal of very conservative customers, people that are highly placed and they can't afford their, you know, habits yes. to be found out. Yeah, yeah. So we keep a very quiet um, establishment. We don't ask you your name. We don't ask you where you're from, what you do for a living. If you wish to volunteer it, that's your business. So, I don't know for the most part a lot of what my clients do for a living, but I can tell you that I have been privy to quite a few situations with some very high-profile people. Sometimes we have to make special appointments and open after hours for certain individuals because they don't want to be seen shopping well, I, here. I would, yeah, I'd imagine anybody political. Yeah, yeah. So, what they would do is they'd come, okay, now we've got all this stuff, we've got cabinets, closets full of things that we bought from you, but we've got nowhere to wear them besides at home. So is there any party? Is there, yeah. can we meet any other people? Now you got to remember, we're going back to uh, late 70s at yeah. this point, and there was no internet. No. Okay, it was all word of mouth. It was what, who you knew. That's it, exactly. Whereas compared to today, which is, you know, Google it, it's what you know. So back then... We, st we did Toronto's very first uh, leather dance at the St. Lawrence Market North in October of 1979. Wow. And I've been doing events for the leather community and the kink community ever since. I, it snowballed from that and started a regular monthly fetish night in 1989 hmm. at a place called the Tasmanian Ballroom. Don't remember that, but... And then we moved it to a place called the Lizard Lounge. And it was a regular monthly thing. And we did it there. That's where we celebrated the first anniversary of Fetish Night. And if you go, that was 1990. If you come to our event this February at the Phoenix, it's going to be a quarter century of kink. Nice. Being celebrated. 25 years of Fetish Night. It's the longest running... Uh, Consistent, yeah. consistently running event, bar none. There isn't a jazz night like James B, who hosts on uh, Jazz FM. He's a friend, and he told me at one point years ago, he says, you know what, George, it's not a rock and roll night. There's not a jazz night. There's not any kind of regular night uh, that has had more longevity than your fetish night. Well, you guys have been doing things for almost as long as I've been alive then. Probably. Man, I'm 74, so... You, you're 74. You, that, that you don't look a day over 72. <laughs> that's, that's why I do podcasts. I yeah. really can't tell. Uh, it's okay. But yeah, no, it's it's just amazing. I mean, you guys, you guys obviously, I guess, make your own ball gags too, right? We make everything. How, like, I if I took up a collection, could we have a couple just, like, donated to the Ford Brothers? Is that possible? Oh, my God. I've got even better than ball gags for those two. <laughs> Excellent. A stable transit plan? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> that too. <laughs> no, it's... it's so uh, get me started about those. This is supposed to be a sexual show, not a political one, right? <laughs> so, 
keeping it in the S and M start sort of thing. I did, you know, bend them over. The Ford talk stops now. Yeah. Joe, the producer, hates it because I. I... <laughs> well, you know. Well, I mean, I, it, it's it bears discussion, but we're trying to yeah do other things. We do have you know one of the candidates for for mayor is a client here, Barbie bitch. <laughs> have you ever no spoken to her? Oh, crossdresser. No, Barbie Bitch is a local dominatrix. Okay. She's actually running for mayor. Wow. Yeah, she's one of the fringe candidates. That's cool. Yeah. Now, having been in the, the business basically your whole life, is there anything that you would do differently? You know, in, in, in advertising or anything, you know, having started from being the, the back door store and all that kind of stuff? Um... Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. Always. So, what would I have done differently with regards to how we present ourselves to the public? Uh, no, I think I've done a good job of basically uh, promoting this as safe, sane, consensual, fun, you know, all the things that we want it to be. Tried to take the, you know, we were the first shop to actually hang our shingle on the high street, so to speak, and say, hey, we're here. Yeah. We're legitimate. Don't worry, come in. We won't bite unless you ask us. <laughs> and even then, you've got to beg sometimes. You know, it's like the word, we made it okay yeah. to be kinky. Well, that's, uh, and, and, and we present it in a way straight. that somebody that comes in that's completely unaware, it's not, you know, buzzing fluorescent lighting and, and some cigar chomping fat dude behind the counter <laughs> giving you the once over before he lets you see the magazine and the shrink wrap. We're not that kind of an establishment. Yeah. You know, that's what we replaced. There, there, there are those okay. already down the street. They're, they're up and down the street, and they were up and down Young Street for the longest time. And we decided to come out and say, no, we want to be um, inviting, uh, clean, make our clients comfortable, you know, we'll buy you coffee. We do meet and greets here about three, four times a year where we put out a spread of all kinds of food. Oh, really? There's, yeah, there's cocktails and... Whores, dwarves, and canapes. You nice. Know. <laughs> so, nice. I mean, you guys have been here so long. You've seen some major power players on, on Young Street close down. I mean, you've survived how many recessions? Uh, more. Oh. More than you can count, right? Yeah, we, we took this location during the recession of uh, 95, 90, 92 actually is when we started coming into deciding to go to this location and we've been here ever since I mean you've outlasted the gas works yeah we actually when the, the gas works closed down and it became a, a different bar we actually used to run fetish night in there for about a year and a half oh yeah yeah but I mean because gas works was the rocker bar well our shop at the time was directly across the street from the gas works it was called Leathercraft, and uh, every band that played in there would sit with a pitcher of beer after doing their sound check on the patio during the summer for instance yep they'd look across the street and say hey man there's a leather shop let's go check it out and that's how i ended up earning a lot of our uh, music clients yeah they play the gas works and come over for studded belts and biker Chaps jackets or whatever and, jackets and yeah because i mean even if they weren't playing the gas works from everything i had heard uh, it was the place to go to meet all the heavy players. The uh, guy I used to be in a band with was hanging out there and met Metallica. Yeah, yeah, we've done stuff for them. I'm guessing that's how you got to, to know Iron Maiden, because they were across the street, I, I would imagine. Iron Maiden actually came out of the blue. They were doing a gig in town. I can't remember where. It was not the Gasworks. It was no, an the, arena thing. Yeah. It might have been Maple Leaf Gardens. I can't recall. But uh, they came in and just started shopping. They didn't say who they were until after the fact. Yeah. And, and, and they're, they're very... But I managed to say, hey, would it be possible to get an 8x10 glossy autographed? And yeah, they gave us that. And nice. Us, yeah. And it's not just the, the rockers. We, we've, we've had the punk rockers. We've had the, the new wave artists. Carol Pope used to come here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of jazz greats. We've had comedians like red fox yeah uh we used to make uh, all kinds of stuff for him uh, really 
Judge Joe Brown from uh, TV, the guy. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves wearing head to toe leather, leather cowboy hat, leather trench. Nice. Um, I sold a leather clad teddy bear to Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman. <laughs> I, mean, I could go on and on and on, but you don't have enough time for it. No, that. no. It's but I mean that's. It's got to fill you with a sense of pride when you have. These big names coming out of their way. Yeah. To to shop here, I mean, it's uh, uh, everybody wants to do what they love. Yes. And, and you just. We make it okay to love what you want. That's it. It's it's like you know, and that's you were asking me before about why, how did I start doing events? It's to bring people together. At one point, we were the hub of a wheel. All the spokes would point to northbound. Because Northbound was a place where you could get the rubber gloves, where you could get the ball gag, where you could get the G-string or the, the thigh-high patent leather boots. But nobody knew each other. They were coming in blind. And I started creating a newsletter. And oh, really? I left it on the counter. And people, so I they'd pick it up and they wanted personal ads. I said, I'll do one better. I'll create an environment where everybody could come together and kind of network. And that's how Fetish Night was born. And it started, and it snowballed. It got to the point where we were running out of uh, boots in the Hotel Selby <laughs> every other Thursday. That's the one on, on Sherburne, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember Fetish Nights there. Yeah, and we would get, those were sort of the, the halcyon days of Fetish Night. This is pre-internet still. Yeah. And we would get about 600 people on a Thursday night, every other Thursday. Nice. And I think that's the first fetish bar I ever went to. Because yeah. I lived on, uh, I lived on Huntley. Okay, yeah. And so it was right so around the corner. So around the corner, you could roll out of the bar and into bed. Pretty much. Yeah. It was great. And there was the, the hotel rooms upstairs that were inexpensive. So if you wanted to uh, take your party upstairs after last call, you could. And a yeah. lot of people did. It was a, a great time, great space. But, you know, all good things come to an end. Sorry. Do you do any kind of uh, socially aware events other than Pride? Like World Pride. Oh, that was, yeah, just, like a, that was fun. Yeah, a float and a yeah. stand. And... That was fun. Um, we've had floats in, in the parade a number of times. Uh, I walked that parade back when it was, you know, Cothra Park was the... Uh, yeah. Beside the 519 was sort of the headquarters of it, and you'd only walk a few blocks up and down Church Street. That was back in the early 80s. But we we do other things, yeah. We do sometimes, we put up uh, booths at sex shows. We sponsor a lot of uh, alternative lifestyle events, like the uh, Toronto Leather Pride people. Mm -hmm. um, we're the Mr. Leatherman Toronto contests. Uh, even some, you know... EDM stuff. Uh, What's EDM stand for? Electro dance music. Okay. Um, different festivals that are conducive or some cosplay stuff if they're into. Our thing is it, if it has a fetish bent to it, then if we can, we support it. Yeah. But it has to also make sense for us. It's got to, you know, we're a business in the end, so we have to have a return on our investment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we sponsor wherever we can. And when the internet came about, I think we were among the first 200 commercial websites on the internet, is what I was told. Oh, really? Yeah. At one time, our service provider, and this was 1994, uh, told us that we, were, we had more hits than the Royal Bank. Wow. And because people were starving to find stuff. I remember back those days. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've actually been written up in two Canadian textbooks, East Coast universities, as examples of early e-commerce. We, we wrote our own shopping basket before it was called a shopping basket. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just fumbling in the dark, but apparently we were doing something. How right. did you guys get your product out to the customers? Did you just do Canadian? Plain postage? brown wrapper. That's how the name came about, too, because we, we could have called it, you know, Crazy George's Kink Emporium, but no, <laughs> we chose Northbound Leather because it sounded like some kind of you know Beaver Canoe kind of thing. It's, yeah, we uh, but Beaver Canoe, I haven't heard of them. Yeah, or what? Roots or whatever. It sounds like some kind of northern years? outfitter. You know, yeah, they're getting 
they'll kick you out for a fishing trip <laughs> that you fly into. But no, what we've got was north for where we are, Canada, bound for what you do with it, leather for what it's made from. But it sounds in nondescript, well, and it's a plain brown wrapper can go anywhere in the world. <laughs> and we'd, we'd use uh, mail order. UPS at one point told us in the uh, mid-90s that we were, again, amongst what they're... We were shipping, just our shipping costs were a quarter million a year. Wow. With UPS. That's because you're getting everything from cross seas and down. So what is, we, we what were, is, go ahead. What has been your favorite event? My favorite event? Obviously, you know, the big one is, is you get a lot of glory there. But because uh, we get a couple thousand people coming out to that which coincidentally this year will be the last one at that location at Polson Pier. Because Where's Polson Pier? It's the docks. Okay. South, formerly the docks? Formerly the docks, also known as, uh, what are they calling themselves currently? Harborfront? No. It's down at the... Like Cherry Beach. Cherry Beach area. Because that's where the... Sound Academy. Okay. Okay. That's where the, the ball was that I went to. Yeah. Was down there. Well, they, they have a second level built now, which is like a giant greenhouse type enclosure with fireplaces. That's where we set up our dungeon. Oh, cool. There and across the back wall on the main floor, we have a double-decker dungeon. I think it's probably the only time that's ever been done when we do it, uh, where we have all kinds of things set up, usually about 25 stations. It's properly monitored. And you could be up on a St. Andrew's cross getting done or doing someone on a cross or on a bench and look across the bay at the glorious Toronto skyline. And we've been doing this, this is our 18th one. And it's gonna be our last one at that location. Why, we, why is that? Because the uh, venue is being uh, redeveloped into something else. So we have to move our event elsewhere. So if anybody's never been to this, or has been to it and wants to relive it, this is the very last time. This is the end of an era. The cherry on top. Cherry Beach on top. Yeah, Cherry Beach is yeah, around the corner. <laughs> and we all know about Cherry Beach. We do. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guys get into doing uh, latex or rubber? Um, when I went to England, London, England, um, well, I've always had a thing for rubber, too, but that's a whole other story. Uh, I went with my wife uh, to London in, for our honeymoon, 1986, and uh, discovered places like Hyper Hyper and Kensington Market and Camden Lock, and uh, found out that there were a few people that were making some interesting things, and there was a company then a designer called Kim West who had a, a booth. There she was, made latex. There was a Kensington market in uh, in London. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, but how, not like our market here. Kensington Market is what they call it. Was basically a four story department store type hmm. place, but it was like a flea market inside. There it was filled with all kinds of stalls of of young designers and new upstarts and pretty cool concept. Um, where you could just go aisle after aisle. It's, it's like going to the, um, the CNE, but instead of buying cheap imports, you're buying really, it's like going to the one of a kind show, but yeah. everybody was into like new age clothing, a new wave clothing at the time, studded this, uh, rubber that, gas masks that had been altered. It was all kinds of punk fashion, lots of cool stuff. And I picked up a little magazine there, a little tiny black and white publication called Skin 2. Okay. And I contacted the publisher from our hotel that night, and then he took me, we met up, and he took me to an art gallery, and then he said, you want to go to Rubberist Pub Night? And I said, what's that? So basically, I picked up the concept of, uh, you know, specialist clubs taking over a pub while in London, and that's how I created Fetish Night here, that's having excellent. seen it there there was nothing of that nature in Canada at the time where somebody can walk in off the street that you didn't have to know anybody you just had to know it was there and as long as you were dressed appropriately you were accepted so there was 
that happened to be a rubberous night. So everybody was in Macintoshes and latex cat suits and gas masks and putting back a pint and talking with each other and hooking up. And uh, yeah, that's where the rubber came from. I started importing it directly. And I think uh, we were probably the first shop in Toronto to have a wide selection of actual high fashion right down to, you know, fetish clothing made in latex. First thing I ever got from here was a pair of PVC pants. Yeah. I had those for a How long ago would that have been? Ooh, uh, around 20 years ago. Okay, so they would have come from London. They would have come oh, from... Oh, really? From... Uh, Wild Designs, Jude Wild. Okay. Yeah. Because we used to import a lot of uh, Danish stuff, a lot of... Yeah. Now, when it comes to... Because not only do you have fetish wear, but you have uh, fetish toys as well, right? We do. And um, I was wondering, how do, you, how do you decide who you're going to uh, represent? Like, what brands you're going to carry? Because... I mean, there are obviously good brands and there are bad brands. Um, I always wanted only the cream of the crop in here. I always wanted the things that would not disintegrate or fall apart after second wearing. There's, you know, I don't want to mention names, but there's one label out of California that is widely carried on Queen West. That is, if you're the sort of person that doesn't mind good from far but far from good if you're only going to wear it once or twice a year to go to a certain type of an event yeah then that stuff's great but i've looked at what our offering is from the perspective of i'm a pervert yeah i want this stuff in my life all the time when i get home from work if i'm not already wearing you know stuff under my clothes i'm going to strip down and put that stuff on and i'm going to get at it doing the things that i enjoy doing most and if I'm going to be hanging somebody by their ankles, I, I want to make sure that those cuffs are purpose-built for that and that they're not going to cut off circulation and that they're not going to, you know, break and let somebody bop on their head. And for instance, uh, as an example, if I'm going to be wearing uh, latex, I want that latex to be durable enough, properly treated, that it'll last me a long time and it's not going to burst while I'm in the middle of a scene. Yeah. That sort of thing. So I was looking at quality over quantity. You know, I, I'm sure I could have sold three times as much if stuff would have been 50 bucks cheaper per garment, but that's not what I was about. My philosophy is give people what they crave. It has to not just look right, it has to fit right, it has to smell right, it has to feel right. That's it. And one of the best function properly. One of the best things is, I mean, for me as a leather lover, is the moment I walk into the store, that's all I smell. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's beautiful. It's, it's, you can, could, can you use the word fresh for leather? Well, you know, it's, it's like anything. You can get, uh, let's compare it to, to food if we're smelling things. You, you get your, you know. $1.99 burger and then you get your $9.99 burger and you know the difference. That's it. It's Right? It's... And it's the same with leather. You get what you pay for. Um, the materials that we start off with, we only use first grades. We don't buy cheap seconds or thirds. And a lot of the stuff that's available out there right now, all you need to do is walk into a store that's selling $99 jackets, feel and touch, smell that, Mm -hmm. Come in here, okay, the jacket's four ninety nine. You can have five of those for one of these, but the person that's into it would rather have one good one than five oh, that's ones that, it. that make them want to heave. Yeah. Something that's... people don't think about when they're, when they're managing their finances is that it might make sense in the short term to buy something cheaper because it costs less money. Right. But in the long run, you end up paying more because it falls apart, you got to get another one. falls apart, you got to get another one. Yeah. And it's exactly, you get what you pay for in the end, be it nutrition, be it a car, be it, you know, like they ask me, how much is a leather jacket? And, I, and I, my response is, how much is a car? 
you know, do you want a Chevette or a Corvette? No, well, that's it. It's, uh, mm. you know, do you want a Ford or a Ferrari, you know? And there's so many options nowadays, too. I mean, before it was just, you know, you, you get chaps and maybe a little vest, but now there's like different kinds of harnesses, there's different kinds of chaps, there's different kinds of vests, pockets, no pockets. Like everything, it evolves. I it's, mean, yeah. one time all you could get was a Model T Ford, but look at how many models there are to choose from depending on your purpose. And it's the same with anything going through life. Once upon a time, there used to be, you know, the computer. Now, you have your tablets, you have your iPads, you've got your laptops, you've got your mainframes, you know, what is it you want? What is it supposed to be doing? What's the function it serves? And it's like, uh, excuse me, in anything in life and uh, when it comes down to your sexuality you can you know show me 10 people and they may have 25 fetishes between them and in different variations it's like the, the, the fluctuation is myriad yeah and all, all you need to do is go on the internet and put in some you know random words and I bet you there's a fetish for it it's yeah I can confirm that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, so like type in rubber ducky, rubber ducky armpit fucking and I bet you you'll have somebody squeaking a rubber duck under there. I, I heard about a fellow who enjoyed ejaculating in his partner's armpit and then eating it out of the armpit. Yeah, there's a lot of dirty boys out there. It's, I don't understand the thrill, but Well, in Japan whatever, they have vending machines that dispense used ladies' panties. Yes. I've heard and that. they have live action tentacle porn. Yeah, Only tentacle porn first came about because they weren't allowed to draw penises or show the penises. They allowed like, to show how penises. do we how do we have something penis shaped that isn't a penis? Oh, I got it. Uh, where's that picture of the uh, the woman and the octopus? And they yeah. use that as their inspiration. <laughs> well, so it's yeah. kind of ironic that now they're going back to we know live where tentacles. Yeah, we know where everything goes with that. It's uh, there's as many variations, and it's reflected in what people. I used to have a, sh a sign in my window, and it said, name it, we'll make it, in leather or suede. People took us to task on that. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I have had all sorts of what might be bizarre to one person is the cat's meow to another. Well, that's it. It's, uh, there are some people who look at leather and be like, ah. And because we are a bespoke shop, we are bespoke tailors, we, you come in here, and because we make everything ourselves, it's not like I'm, you know, buying container loads from Asia. What I'm doing is tell me what you want and I'll create it for you in whatever color you wish, and however you want it to fit. You know, I have one guy that loves sort of the uh, early 90s Dwight Yoakam style pants where he used to wear his jeans super long and they'd all crunch up all the way yeah. up to his knees. So I make these super tight pants for this gentleman because that's how he wants them. And the pant is literally twice the length that it should be because he loves to see them all scrunched up yeah. above his ankles. Great. You guys, uh, all my leather that I got, not all, but the majority of leather that I got back in the day uh, was all tailored to fit. So yeah, it was that's like, the best way. And then... That's the best way. You, you can buy it off the rack if it fits great, but not all of us are shaped... Oh, that's you it. Know, I'm in shape. Round's a shape. Round's a shape, exactly. Yeah. I, <laughs> biggest reason I want to die is because I can't fit into my chaps anymore. Well, then you can bring your chaps back and we'll alter them to fit. We can do that. And because we make what we sell, we have... I've, I've got all kinds of sewing machines upstairs. I could give you guys a tour. You can see the factory if you want. It's, That'd be awesome. Yeah, we can get a few photos. we good. You know, so if you want to see where and how we do it, it's here. So just before we close out, let's let's touch upon some hot topics, okay? Um, have you heard about the Bill C-36? Uh, that's to do with the sex trade, right? Correct. Yeah, that's the one that Terry Jean Bedford championed. I think so. Or not championed, but fought against, or, yeah. Um, what about it? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, personally... I think that the more you try and legislate something out of existence, the more trouble you're asking for. It's much like prohibition of anything. Exactly. So what you're doing is you're taking an activity that there is uh, a need for, 
because I know a lot of ladies that come shopping here that are in the trade, and they will say, you know, it's not what people think. We're not getting pimped. I operate myself. Yeah. For myself. And the guys that I'm seeing, a lot of them are, you know, they might be old men that are lonely. They might be somebody that's got a health condition that can't get a date. They might be, they're just people that need company. And, you know, maybe they, they need to get off, but they can't do it themselves because they've lost their body, upper body strength. Or, they, you know, there's a lot of people Suffer that social are, anxiety. Exactly. And, and some people just... I'm not going to get into, you know, whatever physical ailment or mental situation somebody might be in, but they everyone wants companionship. Basically. And there are people that are willing to provide companionship. Just like you get a caregiver that goes and takes care of somebody that can't care for themselves, that might have special needs, they get paid for it. Why shouldn't these people, if they're providing a service that's desired? Exactly. So, and sex is, is healthy. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, even when someone is sick, uh, I've dated people who, when they're sick, they don't mind having sex because it makes them feel better from being sick. From right. With all the uh, endorphins and, and what have you. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Do you think you're going to get bigger? Like, are you going to... I, um, I've had some personal setbacks in that I was grooming my son to take over the business and he was on his way to doing so and was doing great work and I was just about to pass the baton when the baton got dropped because he passed away. Sorry to hear that. And that was two years ago and he passed one month shy of his 21st birthday. And so that threw me for a loop. And now, um, my well, he was my exit strategy. He was, was going to be the third generation in Canada to you know, carry on the family tradition. I have his younger brother, uh, who's still in school, may or may not decide to take over the business. But I can't go on forever myself. I mean, I'm getting to the point where it's... I'd like to do a few other things too. Yeah. Will I get bigger personally? No. Uh, with this business? No. Uh, will somebody else come along and say, I'd like to grow this? Maybe I'd, franchise I'd it. Be, I'd be very happy to uh, listen to anybody that's got an idea. But this is it. So w would you lease the name for, for franchises? or? You know what? Anything is possible. If, if I feel comfortable, if there's the, the right energy between whoever comes in here and they want to take the brand and explode it, if they say, you know, these are our ideas, this is what we'd like to do, um, I can't go on forever. So who am I to say no to somebody? Um, will I personally do it? No. I, I like the size and shape I, that we are. I like being able to be face-to-face -face with my customers. I don't want to turn it into like a Danier that's got 80 locations. Yeah. But maybe someone else has the desire to say, hey, you know what, this is an up-and-coming thing, this kink thing, and mm. we'd like to put a boutique in every city. Who knows? Nothing's, or, or at least nothing's off the, the table. At least in some major cities. Like yeah. I mean, there's... I think our concept, the way that we do things, may not be easily replicated simply because of the whole you name it, we make it aspect. Yeah. Where you, but somebody might have a technology that they can do a quick turnaround, like maybe Amazon has drones that can deliver the thing in a week. Who knows? But the way that we work, you come in here, you get measured up, you tell me what you want, work it out together. We come back in a week or two, and there it is. Um, but there's not going to be any kind of yeah, I'm not one of these, leather, you know, uh, England branch anytime soon. Not under my watch, I don't think. <laughs> this is it. You got to come to us. This is the place, and you know, come visit. But you've been in this location for twenty years. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Since '95. At this particular, we've been on this block since 1970. 
but in, in this building. Yeah. Yeah. Because this was the the back door that came in back when it was only the back door, right? This for, for northbound for, for this northbound, location. Yeah. yeah, you'd come through this door, and that wall was further forward. Yeah. Yeah, but then we opened it up, and there's a lot more going on. We um. I, I really don't have any plans of expansion because I can't wrap my head around you know, how does somebody get exactly what they want if it's through a, a chain store. Yeah. You can't. No, as you easily, can't. no. You know, people will go into, uh, there are chain stores, I won't mention names out there, you see them everywhere. Yeah. And you walk in and you'll get your generic, it's like going to Home Depot, you know, you get your generic dildo, your generic... Uh, off the peg whatever thing that you want but it's not what you want it's yeah. what they want to sell you and that's the difference you know they're telling you this is what you need whereas here i ask you what is it you need and this, this is really for lifestylers absolutely this is people that are serious about you know getting exactly getting off exactly how they wish to get off yeah with the right thing that makes sense to them and if it what you see on my you know, well, if the hood isn't right, you say, well, I don't want this hood. I want one hood. I want a hood that has one eye bigger than the other eye. I can do that. Yeah. Whereas others can't. You know, we're not like some big design firm that says to you, this is what you're wearing this season. This is what's hot. No, you come in and you tell me. People with confidence and people that know exactly what they're looking for, they don't care what others are wearing. They come in and they say, this is what make I want. this for me. They're the trendsetters. They're the you know, the ones that others watch because wow, they're different. They're unique. What was one of the most difficult things that you've ever made? Uh, we have a situation where we were working with um, a very high-profile architect out of New York City, and um, he would come up with these crazy concepts about. Like, this was just a pet project of his, that he wasn't looking at just fetish wear. He's saying, if there were aliens and they happened to look like this, what would the fetish wear that they wore look like? <laughs> and we've made some pretty out there outfits. Like, there's... Like, for movies and stuff? Not for movies. No, just... No, we've done lots for movies. Like, we've all kinds of stuff for movies. Uh, but these were otherworldly creations they they were done in leather and they were done in latex and they was like some of them were you know one and a half people high some of them are like two people together in the same outfit huh but you know with multiple limbs and yeah. all kinds of stuff going on and that you know trunks and goggles and all this weirdness and very steampunk is, he would provide no beyond steampunk okay he would provide me with um, blueprints, very exacting blueprints, oh, right yeah. down to how many stitches per inch and how far from the seam and this, that, and the other thing. And, and we would have to build that. Some of these outfits cost in the tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. They were challenges, but we, were, we managed to get them all done. And I'm sure that they're sitting in you know, personal collections of the 1% right now because he was one of the 1%, you know, where money was no object to him, as long as he got what he wanted. What's your favorite piece of leather to wear yourself? My favorite piece of leather that I wear myself? Uh, honestly, um, my made-to-measure riding boots. Hmm. English riding boots. Very nice. Yeah. For riding horses? I don't ride horses. <laughs> <laughs> I basically put the ball in the tee for you for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, they're they're beautiful, they're shiny, they fit like a glove. I like to give uh, the little girls pony rides if you know what I mean. <laughs> What's your favorite leather wear? If you were to get something leather, Joe, what would you it's get? It's gotta be a leather jacket, something that's form fitting. Uh, I don't know what color, but something that I can feel like I can have for quite a few years. I wear my vest the most, yeah. I think, because it goes pretty much with anything. Like, I wear it with jeans, I wear it with my kilts, yeah. Well, I've, I've had so much leather from here, because 
you know, I can. <laughs> I've got all kinds of leather uniforms. I've got, but I would say if we're going to talk about a piece of clothing that I made myself, I, I would say my favorite pair is my uh, leather riding breeches. They're, they're, um, if you think of a chips cop, like a California Highway Patrol cop, yeah. the, the pants that they wear. With the, the but wear balloons in, above the knee? I have those too, but no, these are straight cut. They're, they're a slim fit uh, with a saddle seat and stripes down the sides and they're comfortable and they're practical and I wear them a lot. So yeah, like a pair of leather pants. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, I mean, to just roll out of bed and have whatever you want added leather that just has to be an awesome <laughs> awesome existence how did your family react when you started doing kinky leather stuff like because I mean they your parents and, and, and your grandparents were traditional leather you know let's make coats and purses I no, my father was a very very liberal person I mean he used to make uh, like stuff for the hippies you know, okay. We're talking about purple suede vests with fringes Tassels. down to the yeah. floor and, and a wooden bead at the end of each fringe. Uh, so they'd go to a club and they'd bring the band home. You know, it was. I, I remember waking up one morning to go rubbing the sleep out of my eyes at like 6 30, 7 in the morning, going to watch my Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. And I get into the living room and there's cross legged sitting on the living room floor is Sly and the Family Stone. And, wow. And they're jamming, and my mother's making soup because they just got home with these guys. And it's like. And you're Greek, and therefore you have to feed everybody. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, and I've, I've had that sort of experience many times from country and western bands. They, they just. They're, they were liberal. They were. And my obviously father, very My father only ever had strangers. one question when it came to, you know. We've always had gay staff, even since the beginning, gay store managers. So it was not a question of sexuality. It was not a question of what you were into. He only ever had one question. Is it legal? That was his only question. And because we had customers that were judges and cops and lawyers, and we would ask, is it legal? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you know, as long as you call it costuming and you're not selling it for know some ulterior motive yeah and yes it's legal so he said okay go ahead as a the handcuffs and all that are for fetish not for kidnapping right i <laughs> right. never had to post a sign like that's, that that, that was the only question is it legal yes dad it is okay go ahead that's awesome having that kind of artistic freedom yep must have really helped you uh, uh come into your own and uh, i guess you design a lot of the stuff yourself or does your uh, wife design it no I've done a lot of design myself we've also we have uh, house designers we've had a few in the past our current designer is a lovely young lady named Cheryl Cocotte and she's gonna be producing the collection that you'll be seeing uh, at our October show on the 25th okay. how much your tickets uh, they are I believe 45 in advance for general admission and then we have the uh, the VIP packages of which there are only a couple hundred available we had advanced pricing that was cheaper but that's now sold out we're back to oh wow and there are, I think 55 at the door for the $45 advance ticket and how much is the VIP uh, the VIP is I I don't recall offhand I believe it's around 120 the ticket the prices are in there but it doesn't really matter. I don't want to disturb your... Yeah, if, if anybody's interested, they can just go to our website or come into the shop and Excellent. help them out. So it's 19 plus? Yep. And the VIP ticket's pretty cool because it includes full-on catering uh, all night long. It's got, uh, I think it's four drinks or five drinks included. Oh, wow. Line bypass, separate coat check. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. If you've never been to a Northbound event, you need to come see this because they throw a party like nobody else. Having been to one of their parties, I can tell you it is phenomenal. Even if you only get the, the regular admission, you don't go for the VIP, it's still going to be awesome. It is awesome. And um, the show lasts about 40 minutes. It goes on at 11. After that, there's dancing and dungeon until 6 in the morning. There's even a shuttle service that runs from Church and Wellesley, from Woody's, 
down to the docks if you don't have a way or don't wish to drive or take a cab all the way down there then you can run the shuttle runs all night long as well that's awesome Every 20 minutes so then two forty passenger school buses going around in circles all night never have to worry about uh, uh, drinking and driving no and then you can it'll bring you right back to church in Wellesley from there you can hop a cab or transit and and you design all this right like you came up with with the, the shuttle bus and all that yeah that's awesome I mean it's rare to see businesses or people go beyond well you need to because if, if you want people to come out you've got to give them something to come out for yeah and it's as simple as that you've got to give people something that they'll want to attend and it makes them happy we also do a meet and greet in the shop the night before on the Friday that's excellent. so you can come out and you know hook up with friends that might be coming in from out of town and say hey why don't we whatever yeah yeah and we used to get a host hotel as well but uh, we generally don't anymore because nobody really uses it uh, yeah they just like to do their own thing but it's fun it's it's been called the uh, by skin 2 magazine they've come and they attended and they said you know what George this Tim Woodward publisher told me he says how many people do you have here I told him he says you realize that this is the single largest fetish party on the planet Wow I said seriously he goes, yeah I've been I've been to all of them I've been to Australia I've been to San Francisco New York uh, Munich London even his own skin to ball that he does it's spread out over a couple of days because this is only a one-night event and I yeah. said yes and, and for the number of people that come to it it's the single biggest fetish night on planet Earth that's awesome yeah that's completely awesome well George thank you for coming on the show Thank you. And for uh, folks, if you haven't been to Northbound, I don't know what's been keeping you. Come down, check out the store. If you're not in, in Ontario, maybe just go on the website and check it out. Yeah, it's northbound.com. Join us next week when we have Brian Finch on the show. Uh, pre-recorded from another podcast that I was doing. Uh, he's going to talk to us about um, being gay and, and living with HIV for the past 20 years. And he's going to talk to us about uh, HIV in Africa and his work there. 